Stephen Rothstein is the managing director of the Accelerator at Ceres. They're an organization tackling the world's biggest sustainability challenges, including climate change, water, scarcity, pollution, and inequitable workplaces. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you, George. Great to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life. It's more about your work, why you do what you do. Um, I've had a very fortunate career working with a number of nonprofits over my career and believe that you can make an impact while still supporting your family. And I've had lots of opportunity to do that in the climate and then in other spaces. And Ceres is a nonprofit, been around for over 30, about, about 35 years, focusing on sustainability issues and that uh, with the climate crisis we're facing, I think we need to have more of us looking at innovative approaches to changing our economy to ensure that the next generation and the next generation after that have opportunities to grow and thrive. I appreciate that. Has that always been an interest of yours? Uh, it has. I mean, social justice broad, more broadly has been, but this has absolutely been one of the priorities. And, and at this stage, I think it is a, a systemic challenge that, uh, that we, our society, has you utilize so much of our resources. I just read an article that the top 1% of the world's population uses as much resources and creates as much greenhouse gas emissions, the top 1% as the bottom two thirds of the population. So we need to realign that. Doesn't surprise me. It is uh, crazy how when you expand the impact of the footprint of certain human beings, us here here in the West, it's extraordinary. Not necessarily good or bad, but extraordinary, no, n nevertheless. Absolutely, it, it is. And we have to ensure that people all over the world, you know, there are countries that that are haven't really contributed to the climate problem because they haven't been using the resources, but they're affecting, they're affected, you know, in, um, in, in, in Pakistan recently, about a third of the population because of flooding lost their homes, about 30 million people. Uh, and so that affects their life, their farming, their, their families. And so we have to ensure that there is a sustainable future for us and for those around the world. And because of how interconnected the world is, whether you think about politics or wars or supply chains, what happens in one place affects everyone else. Just look at what's happening in Ukraine and Israel as two immediate examples. A third of the population lost their homes because of flooding. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. It's extraordinary. It, it is It is extraordinary. And, and not to be embarrassed, that that's something we need to raise more awareness and to prevent in the future. You know, not this summer, the summer before that, in Europe, 61,000 people lost their lives because of heat excessive heat so that this is affecting all over the world. And obviously, in whether it be in Phoenix, that's obviously faced record heats to East Coast and West Coast and throughout the country, you know, 75% of the nation has lives in areas that have faced climate emergencies in the last few years. When, when I look at big problems, like the ones that you're tackling <laughs> sometimes i feel like it's um almost demotivating because i'm like oh my gosh there's what in the world can i do about this but then you have an organization like series and the work that you're doing that's addressing it directly how do you think about that 
what I just um, said. Yeah. I, so I am an incurable optimist. Um, and that I've seen over my career, uh, incredible number of resourceful, smart people doing incredible things. Uh, and I mean, I'll just, you know, on climate, for example, 15 years ago, it was projected that the, that we would raise temperatures around five degrees. Uh, today, it's projected we'd raise it around two and a half degrees. Now, that's still too much, but we have bent the curve because of creative, thoughtful people coming up with new ideas, reducing pollution, looking at a range of companies, public and private sectors. So I am optimistic, but we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. It is. I, I, I'm, I'm an optimistic person as as well. I don't know if I've ever heard the term incurable optimist, but I like it a lot. So tell us about um, about the work that you are doing, just how, how, how the program works, how many companies, yeah. all, all, all that kind of stuff. So let me tell you about Ceres and then the group within Ceres that I coordinate briefly. Um, Ceres, again, nonprofit. We work with some of the largest investors in the world, investors that collectively have $50 trillion of assets under management and trying to help them to move their portfolios to be more sustainable. We work with some of the largest companies, brand names you and your listeners know well, and again, to help them reduce their water, reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, and to look at business opportunities. The fascinating thing about climate change is it's not just a risk, it is a big risk, but it's also a big opportunity. If you're making parts for an electric vehicle or solar or wind or carbon capture or the list goes on and on and on. So, and with the Inflation Reduction Act, there's a lot of opportunities for people to grow and make money. Uh, then my group, particularly, we focus on the financial sector and corporate governance. So uh, banks, insurers, investors, accountants, uh, and helping them to move both directly and then through their regulators. So it seems as though there's been a pretty big appetite for ESG impact investing. And I don't know how long that it's been sort of in the ether. I feel like it's been been a little while. Um, where where in that curve do you feel like we are? I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal this weekend saying that um, some companies were pulling back from that. Um, so the, it, it, we're, we're in an interesting cycle. So the term ESG means different things to different people. And different people, and three quarters of the people, we did a poll recently, don't understand what it means. But if you look at the underlying elements, do you think companies should be good to their employees? Do you think a company should be care about its environment? Do you think a company should be uh, care about the community and be profitable? Over 90% say yes. So there's broad and growing acceptance, even among both red and blue states, among conservatives and Democrats. The companies do have a responsibility in their community and that you can also make money. It's also a risk mitigation. If you're not thinking about climate, it means you're not thinking about floods or fires or other natural disasters. Uh, in the 1980s, we had our country had uh, every four months, one billion dollar storm every four months. This year, we're having it every three weeks. So there is growing awareness. The term ESG, we don't use as much just because it's more nebulous. But we do think that responsible investing continues to have a broad swath of interest. And I think it's I think it's I think it's really 
interesting and exciting. I, I, I work in personal finance. And so that we, and as just as a consumer, we have the ability to really vote with our dollars and to align almost every aspect of our finances with what is most important to us from how we invest our money to where we shop. And I do think that that is, uh, can be an, an, an empowering thing when you are looking at big problems. Absolutely. One of the things I encourage all of your listeners to think about is their retirement savings. That in 90% of companies um, that have, most companies have a 401k or 403b or some retirement fund, that in 90%, they don't offer a climate fund. So if you wanted to invest your money or part of your money in a fund that thinks about these issues, um, ask your employer, uh, do they have a fund? If so, do you want to put some or all of your money in it? If they don't, why don't they have one is one of the options. So I, I agree with you about voting your dollars and the law allows it there are, and, and you're not sacrificing returns. Uh, in fact, there are some studies that show you, you make a higher return if you've reduced your risk and increased those opportunities. So I think that that's, that's certainly an exciting thing. Are you seeing that that companies are are more so interested in this as as we've been going on this sort of cycle and curve less so? Are they changing? What is the kind of the current state? Yeah, there's definitely more and more um, interest, and it's it's moving from a conceptual to operational meaning. Uh, it's one thing to say, gee, what do we want to be doing in by 2050? But the average CEO turns over every 6.3 years. So that's a long time. More and more companies are thinking, okay, that's good. But what do we want to be doing in five years from now and 10 years from now? We believe every company should have a transition plan. Here's where they are today. And in five years, they want to reduce their risk, increase their opportunity, 10 years, 15, et cetera. And we're seeing, I mean, again, Nine, uh, give me an example, 92% of Fortune 500 companies, so the biggest companies, have climate disclosure reports. They publish stuff on their website or file it. Uh, so there are more and more companies doing stuff. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is it's not enough, and we have to have thousands of companies doing stuff. But, uh, yeah, there is growing momentum, and, and that's part of why I am a incurable optimist. It all makes sense. <laughs> So for the biggest companies in the world to be paying attention to this, aware, mindful, and actually creating plans, I think that that, 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 that that makes sense. I would imagine it's hard for a Fortune 500 company to all of a sudden turn on a dime, but to create a plan and say, hey, five, 10 years from now, this is the progress we're interested in making makes sense. At the real grassroots level, if, 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 if that's the right term for it, um, but creating innovation the companies that, that you're maybe working with. Tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, again, it, it, as you first, as you said, every consumer can vote with their dollars, where they purchase, uh, what they purchase. And then uh, if, you know, if they work for the company they work for, ask them what their climate plan is. Uh, if they part of a church or a synagogue or a civic organization, everyone in terms of what's their plan to reduce emissions. Um, and there are lots of people doing amazing creative things. And you see, you know, solar is, the price has gone down by 90%. Uh, today is less, if all you cared about money, 
is that it is cheaper to build with solar than a coal plant in most parts. Um, so that's the, the economics are changing. And we're seeing new technologies from carbon capture uh, to all kinds of interesting micro grids and small windmills and those kind of areas. Uh, but what we need is the financial institutions, the banks and the insurers. Every business needs a bank and every business needs insurance. And we hope that there are there are great leaders in those sectors, but not enough. And we want more banks and more insurers to, you know, offer more climate oriented products and stop funding uh, some of the ways that are that is destroying our world. Coal plants, for example. So when you say climate oriented products, what are some examples? Um, that uh, if you are uh, there are there are insurers, for example, that will not insure your house if you have solar panels because they think it's going to cause roof damage. Well, that's crazy if they're put on well. There are millions and millions of these all over. So having more insurers, more banks, knowing how to insure or finance, whether it be leasing for electric vehicles or if you want to do wind or geothermal or heat pumps or looking at those areas. So the more that the financial institutions are doing. And again, there's some great examples, great leadership there. But we want more of them. So to make it easier for people to finance these, to have businesses grow in these areas. That sounds wild to me that today there's still insurance companies that are penalizing you for putting solar panels on your roof. Uh, we definitely need to I hope that you're able to change that kind of thinking or that kind of a policy. Is it carrot and stick? Is it we want to pull people towards it through incentives and tax tax incentives or and or penalize people with some kind of a stick? Um, I think we do need both motivations. Um, and part of it is, you know, we want to encourage great voluntary leadership. But in some cases, we need regulation uh, that will help motivate. Uh, and one of the things that we're pushing for is climate disclosure. We believe in the free market, but only if there's good information. So if everyone knew uh, the emissions for every company, the big companies, then that would help your decision making. So legislation was recently passed in California that we were prime uh, sponsors of that would require climate disclosure. Uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission is, is, is uh, considering a regulation for this area. So that's an example that we think is a regulation that would be very helpful to promote uh, more uh, uh, efforts in the private sector. It's an interesting thing. And as people become more aware of, and is that for all companies? Is that just a certain for, threshold size? For the, large, for the largest public companies and California largest private as well. And again, so that then there's more information just as, we all have, we as society have more information about what we eat through food labeling, and then people can make their decisions. Some make good decisions, some may not make good decisions, at least they have the information. That in your purchasing and in suppliers, if you knew more about climate impacts of companies, and if there's five cement companies or steel companies or agriculture, whatever it is, and some create more uh, uh, greenhouse gas than others, that may be part of your decision making process. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. So I forget what what the percentage was. A large percentage of people didn't understand what ESG was or is, but 90% of people think that it's a good thing for companies to 
work to 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 do a good job and be good stewards of of the of the earth and 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 everything else do you see my perception is that you can probably draw a line in the sand and on one side you have democrats that want this and then on the other side of republicans that are maybe don't want this is that has that line been blurred or is it still a party line kind of a thing so we're a nonpartisan group and uh think there's great leadership i'm you know there are more conservative democrats and more uh uh others than republican i'll take um georgia governor brian kemp very fiscal conservative republican um in january he announced the two billion dollar investment in the state from a company making ev electric vehicle car batteries and he was asked well what about all this esg stuff and he says i believe in jobs i believe in all jobs solar jobs great ev jobs but also if there were oil jobs so i think there are um thoughtful individuals on both parties um so parties tend to be more one way or the other but again we're bipartisan and work with folks on both sides of the aisle which is always good when that when we're actually able to accomplish that and as as an incurable optimist Stephen, I'm sure that uh, that <laughs> that that there's hope for the future in, in in that one as well. So, you've already given us a lot of good advice on what we can be doing uh, on an individual level. Any other closing thoughts as we as we wrap up our time? Um, so, I am a relatively new grandfather, uh, ten months old uh, granddaughter, nice. and so I, th- I think about the future. So, you know, what will the world be like when she's going to high school or college or other kind of life milestones? And that makes this work even more urgent because we have, I'm an optimist, but we have a lot of problems to solve and we don't have a lot of time to do it. So I hope all the listeners think about what they can do in their own life. Again, whether it be where they buy, where they invest, their retirement fund, uh, what bank they use, et cetera, to think about the impact they can have. Well said. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and Ceres? Um, they can go to Ceres.org, C-E-R-E-S, C-E-R-E-S.org. And thank you for this and for other opportunities to share information, George. It's appreciated. Yeah, likewise. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Stephen your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to series.org. That's C-E-R-E-S dot O-R-G and check out all the work being done by Stephen and the other, the, the rest of the team at, at Series. Thanks again, Stephen. Thanks. Have a great day. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.